It's a great way to jump in to the 97th episode of the Overcast. Thank you very much for joining us. Listeners have no idea what we were talking about. Okay, sorry, yeah. I am Lindsay Shooters. And I'm Gavin Dudley. Yes? Yes? Come on, come on. We are the what, what were you going to say? We are the overclocked. Over- I think that describes yeah, are- our workload. <laughs> yeah, it describes our workload. <laughs> we are the really beasts of burden. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I have one question for you, though. Yes, sir. Did you get Microsoft Surface Laptop 3 to work? Oh, no, I didn't. I assumed that you'd gotten it to work. No, so, I didn't. I did. Oh, dear. I'd better but, inform. That's besides the point. Um, yeah, as you heard last week, I was trying to rebuild the, the software, or at least rebuild yeah. the Microsoft Laptop 3, because, wow, man, those last Windows updates really caused but some havoc. That is also, it's a worthwhile consumer test, that, because that, that stuff can happen to consumers quite easily, you know, and it should actually rebuild from its disk image. I don't know what the hell happened there. Yeah, okay. I don't know. There, there right. were some, some problematic Windows updates. But what is not Windows and what is not getting as powerful as I hoped it would is the new set of iPads that launched last night at uh, the Apple September event. Um, One of two. There's one later, I think in October, which will be the iPhones. But last night was new iPad Air, new iPad, iPad, eighth generation now, um, and new kind of watches. And Gavin just wiped himself out of existence. Um, (laughs) I mean, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I mean, to me, the defining Apple product is the iPad, to be honest. It is the product where I believe they have got a legitimate market lead, which is not based on marketing funnies and manipulating the supply chain and manipulating international markets. I believe the iPad is the credible product that is won on entirely on the strength of its technological excellence and its usability in the mainstream which you know, I can't necessarily say for the other products, but I believe the iPad mm. is the most legitimate of Apple's successes. Mm. Okay, okay, I feel you, I feel you, I feel you on that. I'm a big iPad user myself, but I'm at an inflection point now where I can either continue down the road of the iPad. So new iPads that came last night was iPad Air that now has the brand new, just announced Apple A14 processor, which is incredibly fast and it's, probably going to be the develop or at least what will be in the um apple silicon max that will launch later this year in december i think they said there'll be a laptop out um so that's a big step forward then the the eighth generation ipad is now retaining the 10.1 inch display size with the home button oh ipad air now loses the, the bezel mounted home key it, the touch id now goes into the power button and it has kind of that that bezel-less or full-screen display kind of thing like the iPad but, Pros do. But listen, listen to how you're talking. You're trying to explain to the listeners who have much less comprehension of this market than you how they've splintered the market. So this one is thinner with the smaller screen but costs a little bit more. That one costs a lot more, but it has a smaller screen. That one has the new processor, and that one has the old processor. This is the thing. It's like... Why has Apple done this? Steve Jobs would freak out at what's going on. I cannot make head or tail of the iPad range. So, you know, is the, the Air is no longer as light as Air. There are others that are lighter than the Air, and the Pro is the most powerful, and, but the Pro is not always the biggest. It's like, 
it's become like a complete mishmash of weirdness. Why do we have an Air at all? Why can't we just have a straight iPad and an iPad Pro? Why do we have to have an Air? What, what the hell does the Air bring? Nothing except that they decide they're going to put USB-C in this one and, and, you know, and, and Thunderbolt in that one. And, you know, and this screen is going to be 9.7 inches. And that screen is going to be 10.1 inches. I mean, why? Why are they fragmenting the market like that so that no one actually understands what the hell's going on? You so know? they need they need a cheap one that they can sell into the schools. Then they need a okay, which which they they are going to call iPad, right? Yes, that's what that they're going to call iPad, iPad. That is the and that's going to be ten point one inch. Yes, that's or nine point seven inch, ten point one inch, right? And a base model, a twelve processor. So it's pretty much the twenty eighteen iPad Air. <laughs> well, this is the point. This is what is so mind blowing. Okay, right. Okay, fine. I don't even know if I want you to run down the whole range because. At the end of it, I'm still going to go, um, okay, so do I need the Pro or do I need the Air or do I need the bigger Air with the smaller Pro screen with the bigger chip or the smaller chip with or without the, you know, it's like they've really done a very un-Apple thing by messing up the whole market like that, especially with the ridiculous naming. You understand that when you use the word Air, you almost by definition expect it to be the lightest model, which sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't, you know, it's like... Well, air and, now means kind of mid-range. That's like when, when but, you... But, but why does the word air mean mid-range? I mean, air by definition was about weight. You know, that was the whole point. Uh, yeah, never mind. I, I don't okay. make the rules. Um, All right. So, so now it's I, only going to get even... It's even going to get more, more, more um, confusing now. Because mm-hmm. now the Apple Watch... You can... <laughs> There's now the Apple Watch SE... Which I'm not sure. There's a CD6 that has launched now. Then there's the SE. And now all of... So interesting thing about Series 6, they changed to the red bulbs now for their optical heart rate sensor, which is more accurate on darker skin tones, um, which is incredible, actually, because uh, Polar made the switch with the Grit X. And I mean, Polar always at the very forefront of this sort of technology, of heart rate monitoring technology. Um, so that's a big thing. They- they used to be green for those who don't know. It used to be yeah. green, now red. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so now, natively in the watch um, from the Series 6, they are doing VO2 max estimation, which they have been doing in the past, but now there's like a new algorithm that they're using. Um, and now, big thing was oxygen saturation. So SpO2, um, that now has alerts when it reaches the lower ranges, which is interesting that they couched it as working alongside pulmonologists. I'm an asthma sufferer, so I can tell you that oxygen saturation differs from person to person and is not a very good... Um, it's going to send more people running off to the doctor than should, but it might can also I, save lives. Yeah. May I just add that the VO2 max and the SPO, whatever it is, are features that are being added fully three years after everybody else. Okay, just, you know, so that you know where you are in the mix there when you go out and buy that Apple Watch 6. Know that you're buying features that have been in other watches, mainstream, cheap watches for three years. Okay, just so yes. you know. All right. Yes, thank, thank you for that, Gavin. But Gavin, you, um, I think we can finally tell the listeners that um, you, you suffered a stroke earlier this year, and you were actually notified by your watch while you were out running. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So like, 
these um, watches, these wearables do actually, because I was in a conversation with, with another journalist um, or media person in South Africa last night um, while I was live tweeting everything that was going on. And he was like, he still sticks to his traditional watch. He doesn't get the whole smartwatch vibe. And I'm like, I don't understand people who pay more than a thousand rand for a traditional watch that can't even notify you when your phone is ringing. Yeah, so it's true. Even when you look at the definition on some of the screens of these smartwatches, the fact that you could replace them with a more traditional looking face might sound like cheap and nasty to you, but actually the resolution on some of these faces is so good that at a glance, they easily pass for an analog watch, you know. Um, I'm a big fan of the Huawei watch series, and this is the Watch 2 uh, GT, GT2E. I have to always get the numbers right. Um, <laughs> the one before this, I used uh, for running. I used them all for running. And the one before this was like, yeah, man, your heart rate is extremely high and it's been there for a sustained period. And I'm like, yeah, well, I'm very unfit. I'm trying to get fit. And it's going, no, no, you need to calm down, brew. Your heart rate is like five times your resting. And I'm like, no, I'll be okay. I've got to suffer for beauty. And my watch was desperately trying to prevent me from actually injuring myself. I ignored it. And the worst possible result, a, a blood clot tore loose in my system and traveled into my brain. You know, so... I mean, it was a clear case of the watch trying to help me and me ignoring it. Uh, I feel like a bit of a doofus now, of course. Yeah. Okay, but yeah, but do these, continue, sir. These, these things can be very good um, tools for monitoring, but they do often send a lot of people into a panic who really shouldn't be getting the kind of readings that they are. I think we will look back on this era of watches and go, gosh, they were such blunt tools back in the day, you know, because we're going to end up with a lot more precise kind of readings in the future. I know, for example, they're working very hard on stress measuring and blood glucose and all these kind of things, all of which I think we'll see in the next two or three years. You mm. know, we're going to see a whole lot of things and a lot more accurate as well. Again, because I believe the medical industry is motivating for the stuff. So, you know, and just to spend another one minute on, on mm. the, the Apple announcements, uh, there's now a new bundle of their services called Apple One. So you can get Apple TV Plus, Apple Music all bundled and Apple News all bundled together into one service for one price. We are unsure of what that price is going to be in South Africa. And then there's a family setup function now that extends to the Apple Watch, which will improve my life quite a bit, where kids can now get an Apple Watch set up for them um, without having an iPhone with them, which is it's just quite incredible. So you can get an Apple Watch for like a cellular model and have your kid run around with that and you can like set different times for it to be active and all those sorts of things, which is which is great. I think Apple is still peerless when it comes to how many people sort of actually situation. use those features. Eh? I wonder how many people sorry man, our line is breaking up badly. No I wonder how many people actually use those those family features. I guess they only launch them because they have some kind of uptake on them. But I have hmm. a sort of a sideways question. Um, what always happens when Apple launches new products, it withdraws certain of its old products from the yeah. marketplace. So if money was an object today and you did have to buy an Apple Watch, which Apple Watch would you personally buy going by the trend of which models they're likely to pull off the market and what will remain on the market? So, for example, there's a good chance that the Watch 5 will be taken off the market, but the Watch 3 and 4 might remain. Is that true? Um, yes. Um, so I would buy a Series 4, actually. Is what you personally would buy. Yeah, because that was when the GPS came in and right. the battery life improved. 
And they haven't really changed. That was the biggest screen also. So they haven't really changed the, the screen design. They just made it always on in Series 5. And now they've added like other, they've, obviously a new optical heart rate sensor system for, for the Series 6. And that sick right. product, the red color, which, oh, I covered so badly. But moving on from okay. Apple, Gavin, there yes. was a couple of other things. The LG Wing, which is crazy concept phone from LG's, what do they call it? The Explorer division, which right. is like a skunk works sort of thing. It's a phone, normal slab phone, and then the front, the display turns up perpendicular to the rest of it into like a T sort of thing. It's, remember the first Iron Man movie? There was a phone that he used in that movie and it flipped around and had like a horizontal or landscape display. It's similar to that, but just updated yeah. for like 2020. So for those who are struggling to follow, it forms a capital letter T shape. So there's a, a, a horizontal panel at the top and then a, a vertical panel pointing downwards. It creates a T shape and they demonstrated all sorts of ways in which this might enhance your productivity. You can continue watching video or doing landscape operations in the top while controlling it in the bottom section, which would be more of a sort of a square shape. I don't know. What I enjoy is that, as usual, LG is out there doing weird maverick stuff to see what sticks to the wall. It's throwing things at the wall to see what sticks. And I've always appreciated that about LG. For example, they had uh, that, uh, was it the... G5, where you could, you know, add modules into the phone. Mm. And before that, they had the extreme, they invented the extreme wide angle lens for the camera and so on. All these things that, you know, LG has come to the fore with over time that they don't get enough credit for. And like you say, the wing is just the latest of those, but I believe there are others in the works as well. Um, yeah. What, what I thought was interesting was that we're seeing all these different shapes and sizes coming out as people desperately try to reinvent the phone. So we're seeing folding phones that are folding two different ways. We're seeing flip open phones. We're seeing, you know, gatefold hinge phones like Microsoft. Mm. And now this flip around. Um, for those who don't get it, all these form factors have already existed before in feature phones. I actually have the Samsung feature phone, which you could watch TV on, where the screen flipped up and formed a T-shape exactly like the LG Wing. So it's not all that revolutionary. All these shapes have been done before. The, the flip open computer-based gatefold yeah. phone was the original Nokia 9000 communicator. Yeah. And there have been many other formats exactly like this. So just so you know, this is not new, guys. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm still in camp. Um, let's have a really good phone and a really good small tablet um, and not try and mish, mash the two together just yet. But for those of you okay. out there looking for those new things, the manufacturers are there to supply them for you. And moving yeah. on quickly to another phone manufacturer who's not doing so hot right now, Huawei. Um, on the 15th of September, the second round or latest round of U.S. sanctions came into effect. That kind of strips them from any uh, from using ARM. Uh, what? Go through it using first, Gavin. Any? <laughs> <laughs> we've we've gone on about this Huawei story for well over a year now. It's going on for 18 months, but the latest is that Huawei can't use any of the reference designs for any kind of chips that were originally created in America. So at first, um, these were just the microchips that it used to run its main phones. But now those same chips are being withheld for controlling their screens, for example, or for creating memory for the phones. So they are in a very serious situation now. They can't use the processors or the radios 
all the screen controllers, all the memory chips that are being created by other manufacturers, all because the reference designs for those are U.S. properties and Trump has got it in his head that they have to crush Huawei. I think Huawei have bared up really well under the circumstances, but I have to say at this point, things are looking very serious for them. And having been a strong supporter, I'm becoming concerned about how they're going to dig their way out of this one. I mean, if you were a phone manufacturer, and you, you couldn't get the screen or the memory or the processor or this or that. Half the components you need to make a phone, what you're going to do, you know? I don't know. You could overcome one of these obstacles, but all of them simultaneously, I don't know. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, moving. We'll yeah, it's, it's tough for them. Um, I'll link a story down in the description on Android Authority written by one Hadley Simons, proudly South Hadley. African. Um, I'll link that down in the podcast description. And then moving on to other deals, um, TikTok is now... <laughs> Owned by Oracle, kind of Ugh. weird, strange. I don't, I don't know, man. Uh, at least it's not I Walmart. See, <laughs> yeah, I see the hand of Trump moving here. Okay, so Larry Ellison, the founder and owner of Oracle, has been a Trump supporter, ardent Trump supporter from the start. Oracle came out of nowhere on this thing. Okay, mm. and what was particularly interesting is that Microsoft, who was the original suitor for TikTok, was not actually asked to submit a second offer or to change their offer, almost as mm. if the TikTok Oracle deal was done in a back room somewhere. It wasn't an open and transparent process. This mm. worries me deeply, but I also don't care. I think TikTok capitulated to uh, Trump here, and I think it's going to end badly. This is not the way to, to do commerce in a globalized world, you know, to try and break stuff up because you don't like... What do you call it? Sinophobia. You're anxious yeah. about China. So you try and, you know, you get all reactionary <laughs> about it. Um, but it does lead on to this other super big story of the week, which is NVIDIA and Intel. Yeah. Uh, NVIDIA um, getting ARM. Yeah. So uh, for, for the listeners, ARM, ARM, Acorn Risk. Acorn Risk. Micro, what? Micro, micro computers, microsystems. Acorn Risk, Acorn Risk ARM stands. Acorn yeah. Risk, something that I call microsystems. Right. They are the reference designs for all the most important chips used in things that are not desktop PCs. So all cars and phones and tablets and TVs and every kind of chip you can think of, most of them are based on ARM designs. And ARM is actually a British company. It's one of the few big British success stories for tech. But now... ARM is about to be bought by NVIDIA. NVIDIA better known for their graphics cards, of course. Mm. But what that means is that the intellectual property for all these chips will move from the UK to the US, which means that US will have Qualcomm, Intel, NVIDIA, and ARM, which are all the big sort of superpowers in chip design and chip manufacture today. And that creates a bit of a sort of an, an international monopoly for chips. Mm. It means that um, a company like ARM, which controls a huge piece of the tech market, will be now in U.S. hands as opposed to international or Chinese or any other country's hands. It gives the U.S. unprecedented power, and I think this is something to be worried about, frankly. Mm. Yeah, it, it is something to be worried about. Um, uh, just a case in point, the new A14 chip that Apple launched last night is an ARM reference kind of design, so they get that license. And it's built on the, it's the first mass market chip now that's built on the five nanometer process, which is just like the, the transistors are measured in atoms. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Yeah. The, those, transistors, those transistors are just, those transistors are just so tiny that they are measured in atoms and it's crazy. 
But moving on, Gavin, we are kind um, of running I, out of time. I, yeah, we are. But I want to bring up my most interesting story of the week, which is Sony. Yeah. Sony TV. I put it up at the top and I see you glossed right over it as though it wasn't important to you. The press release okay. just landed, Gavin. <laughs> right. Okay. So Sony Sony struggled in the last few years in, in all international markets, but particularly in South Africa. So they actually pulled their TVs and most of their product lines, they pulled out of South Africa entirely, probably about five or six years ago for the TVs, if I'm not mistaken. And they've just announced they're bringing their TVs back to South Africa. So they've got some extraordinary new processing power built in there. They're using the Android operating system, although it is Android 9, which is a little worrying because that's several years back. Um, they've got like a Netflix mode. They've got Dolby Atmos in all the products they're bringing in. They've got Google Home and AirPlay for the Apple lovers. Um, I'm just glossing over it, but they've got a whole range of models, all obviously 4K. Pricing starts at 13,000 Rand, which is quite reasonable, although these days you can really get a 4K TV for 7 and 8,000 Rand, a good 4K TV for 7 and 8,000 Rand. So you are still paying a bit of a premium for, for Sony products, but the quality is really, really there. So look out for Sony TVs appearing back in retail. I believe they'll be at the Incredible Connection. And I can't remember where the second outlet was. Probably Macro right. or something like that. As I said, um, the press release literally just landed. You've been sitting on this embargo content for longer than I have. That's why I kind mm. of glossed over it. <laughs> <laughs> Jealousy makes you nasty. <laughs> I wasn't jealous. <laughs> Other things that came in this week, we got local pricing for the upcoming Xbox. What do they call the S and the X? Is it one X? Yes, or, series, yes not series, C S, series X. Series yeah. S and Series X. So Series S is kind of like the 1080p one, and then the Series X is just at 4K. We speculated the pricing, and I feel so good because 7,000 Rand was on the money for the Series S. Um, Series X, uh, I just lost the pricing now. I had it with me, and now it's gone. Um, it's um, up at the 9,000. Right. While you find that, can I say that we have kind of run out of time, but I'd like to give out my tip for the week. Okay, so one of the most frustrating things for me has always been how you use the Windows clipboard. You copy something onto the clipboard, and then you paste it somewhere else. But what if you need to use several things at once? You want to copy several things while you're in this document and then transfer those several things to the next document rather than doing them one by one. I always used to use clipboard utilities that would allow me to do that, copy several things and then paste them all back separately into another place. Now Windows has actually built that into its operating system. It's only taken like 20 years I've been using these tools for them to do that. Um, Windows has its own multi-clipboard built in. So you turn it on in your settings, in system, you'll look for a thing called clipboard, and you'll use window, once you've turned it on, you use the Windows key on your keyboard and the letter V to pop open a little window. It shows you everything on your clipboard, and from there you can pick the thing you want to paste down into your document. Okay, and it will, it will copy over pictures, it will copy over fully formatted text or just plain text depending on what you're doing. So this is actually an extremely powerful tool. You want to look it up in settings, system, clipboard turn it on and then use windows v to open that clipboard to use it okay mm. that's my that's tip awesome um so yeah see the xbox series x twelve thousand rand gavin's got some awesome microsoft orientated tips there for you um and that's it for the week guys it's been a pretty big week next week is going to be packed with all sorts of new reviews and 
stuff. That opinion guy on YouTube is where you'll catch my Note 20 review and then my action camera. Finally, I'm putting that video out on Friday. Right. Note 20 is live Looking as you hear this. And yeah, that's my story. Gavin, what's up with you? I would like to next week give you my impressions of the Vivo X50 Pro, which is a very exciting phone, actually. It's kind of won me over this week. Very sophisticated camera system. And I mean, you'll be having a go with it shortly, I believe. So we can compare mm. notes. Maybe by next week, we'll be comparing notes on the Vivo X50 Pro. That's a one last fact for the listeners. Vinyl outsold CDs for the first time this month, for the first time since 1990. Vinyl records have outsold CDs. Digital streaming and digital downloads now accounts for 93% of all the music being sold in the industry. But it's interesting that vinyl has outsold CDs for the first time since 1990. Because That's the hipsters have taken over and no one buys CDs anymore. Check you out next week, Kevin. Cheers. <laughs> Bye. Bye, guys.